Hey everybody, Mark Stratz and Chad Schleicher here to welcome you to Built AZ, where we uncover today's biggest topics, trends, and challenges surrounding the commercial real estate market in Arizona. Each show, we will interview market leaders and ask the challenging questions that pry out the information you want to hear. Today, we are excited to have Kyle Frazee of the department as we discuss the current state of co-working and the future of co-working in Arizona. Hey everybody, you've got Mark Stratz with Transwestern in Phoenix and Chad Schleicher Smith Group here in Phoenix. And we've got a great guest here, Kyle of the department, one of uh, Phoenix's first co-working spaces in downtown Phoenix. Welcome, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, we're excited to have you here and excited to have you as uh, our first guest of our uh, podcast show, awesome. so thanks for being here. Absolutely. So I'll kick us off with uh, the first question, if you don't mind, Chad. Let's go. Okay. Um, Kyle, tell us about how you got into number one, Marketplace One, and then how the department came to be. Yeah, so Marketplace One is a uh, just a small um, investment group. We do some real estate development, small business investing, some angel investing, um, and our group bought a building downtown about 10 years ago, and it was about three and a half years ago. We had a, a floor that was tough to lease, I think, Mark. May, may have been the leasing agent at the time. Uh, I sold you the building so, as well. Did you really? Okay, yeah, I didn't yeah. actually didn't realize that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we, um, you know, there wasn't was a lot of activity at the time, so we said, hey, let's be a little more proactive here and uh, and took some of the, we had some businesses, some investment partners, um, actually a tech team that we'd invested with that were officing in kind of our more boring corporate headquarters. So we took one of the empty floors and said, what if we built this to be, a lot more cool cutting edge and then facilitate kind of community and then open that up to the public and start see what happens so that was conversation probably five years ago open the space about three and a half years ago and and so now that it's open now that it's been open three years um, can you tell us about size what what the programming is within it what you offer as a yeah. community, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's uh, about 16,000 feet uh, pretty open space we only have 10 private offices um, so we offer month-to-month -month memberships for just access, you know, come to your coffee, Wi-Fi, you can use conference rooms. We have private desk memberships, uh, so you get your own, you know, business home, but in an open space. And we also have, you know, private office suites within, the, within that 16,000 feet. So one thing you touched on uh, in the answer is the community aspect of it. Yep. And, you know, we've collectively been downtown Phoenix for a long time trying to really recreate uh, the downtown yep. and bring downtown into an urban uh, environment and really put us on the map. And I think with what you guys have done with One North First Street and then adding the department has been pretty key. Because if you think about being at First Street in Washington, you are Maine and Maine downtown. Yeah. So tell us a little about the community aspect of it and your relationship with Cartel um, 
Matt Moore and how all of that really helped build up to uh, what you are today? Yeah, that's a great, great question um, and appreciate the positive response on that. Uh, so yeah, we have all uh, retail tenants in the building um, are local. So it's been their second, I think all of them, it's their second location. You know, so it's hard to start your first location in downtown Phoenix, but you know, they're starting somewhere else, maybe in the suburbs and saying, all right, we've proven the concept and then they go downtown. Um, and we've been able to, to work out some interesting deals with folks like Cartel Coffee that's taken three different suites. They've kind of moved around in the building uh, over the last seven or eight years. Um, and now they have six locations. Um, same with Kaleidoscope, uh, just a local like healthy food concept. I think they're adding their fifth or sixth location. Uh, I think this was their third. Um, same with a pizza company, La Piazza. This is his second location. Now he's got a third one coming. So um, it's, it's fun to see that come together. And that's part of the, the broader building kind of thesis of, of bringing community, um, kind of entrepreneurship, trying to have a hub for investment activity, for business activity, and then just for relationships that you can, um, there's value, you know, value in being there. So what would you say, <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a potential user, um, what are my options within your, within your space? Yeah, so for the person coming into the co-working space, they have a pretty low bar if it's, you know, right now close to 100 bucks a month to come and just have access, right? Monday through Friday, come work, open your laptop, you can drink all the LaCroix that you want or coffee. Um, up to having a private office for uh, yourself and then we have some bigger team spaces where you could have you know six or eight people in a team and then have your own office that some folks use those as more of their own war room meeting room not necessarily for one person to sit on the phone all day but to do meetings in so I'd say yeah from one to, to ten and then we've started to with the building start to transform other floors we have a floor that has uh, some some bigger 2,500 foot suites to really have you start to paint a picture for someone to come in as a team of one or two to grow to 10 to now 20 and we can house you and then you know maybe someday take a whole floor so that you don't you don't ever have to leave if you don't want to being part of the community yep right? exactly yep so yeah and that's the that's the primary thing is the community piece um trying not to be just a, a commodity like anyone can have a cool space but cool space with the right kind of people right kind of community I think there's just a lot of value there, and it's hard to it's hard to to replicate that. So, when you were researching co working, did you guys travel around the country, look at other operators, how they were doing it, how were they piecing it together, what were the uses? How did you do your research to come up with what the department is? <laughs> yeah, I like to say we did a lot more, a lot more than we did. I think on the design side. Our design kind of use team did a lot of that, looked at spaces around, around the country um, from an aesthetic, from a feel, like how do you lay out a space? Like one thing we did was make all of the best views, public amenities, rather mm -hmm. than private offices having those views. So that the part to build that community so everyone feels like they have the same you know, level of membership. There's not classes of membership in the space. It's like everyone has the best views, right? So some of those kind of things we did. I think in terms of operations, it's been a little bit of a learning a learning curve, you know. Mm -hmm. Some stuff we thought would work that didn't, um, and other well, things. What's that, an example? Um, you know, we built a really open space. Um, the idea being, hey, we're downtown Phoenix, you know, century located, like you said. So we thought, okay, this will be a great place for people to congregate, to meet, to come a couple days a month. Uh, the reality is downtown Phoenix is, some people would say, it's harder to get to. 
So I think there's just a lot of folks that are like, I don't want to go downtown if I don't have to. So we built this really open space as a as a congregating place and then realized, well, people want to be downtown, but they, they want to be there to like have a business headquarters there and it's centrally located for a team. We didn't build a lot of team spaces. We built a lot of open open space for small teams, not for a team of eight or ten. So um, so we've just seen some of that where it's like, oh, well, more private offices would have been helpful because there's a lot more demand for that. People that are willing to, to pay to be downtown are willing to pay for an office. The, the lower bar membership is great in somewhere like Gilbert or somewhere that's easy to get to that's around your neighborhood. But if you're working by yourself, you're going to choose to not have a commute, right? <laughs> Generally, if you don't have to. But aren't you seeing that work-at-home individual want to participate in the community by being oh for sure yeah in the space and rather that's, than yep, exactly and there, that's where it's just there's a just a, a barrier of how far is someone willing to drive every day mm-hmm. to be a part of that community you know you start getting half an hour 40 minutes it's like there's people that do it and they love it but it's just a harder sell until you experience it you know the best the best thing we have is when people leave because of the commute this happened last week the guy left and i got a got a space at this little, you know, executive suite by my house. Well, then he came back two months later and said, yeah, it was soul crushing. I had no community. So now I'd rather drive every day. So those are the things you want to hear, but it's hard to sell someone on that when they've never experienced it, right? Right. That's incredible. That's a cool story. But I was I was actually looking into this. You could also rent your conference rooms. You also rent the entire floor. Yep. So I think that open concept kind of allows you yeah. To truly rank for events, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and that's the part of the sales feature. I think people come in and like, man, this is so cool. I haven't, I mean, I take it for granted because I can see it every day, but a lot of people aren't in a big, open, cool, modern space. So it's, when you walk off the elevator just to have open, cool, cool lighting, like all those things, I think there is a value there that, that is helpful to, for people to come in and go, yeah, I want to be part of this just, you know, from the visual um, cool factor. So, so on that, this is where I think the landscape is so interesting. If, as we think about uh, two things, one design, in that uh, everything has a, a shelf life. Okay. Yep. And you know, flavor of the day is let's just say open yep. plenum ceiling, yep. polished concrete floors. You know, more of a raw, um, handcrafted aesthetic. How are you guys hedging against changing aesthetics in, you know, 2022, 20, 24, 2025? 20, are you guys thinking that far along? Yeah, I mean, that was part of the reason we left it so open. We only put 10 offices, because you can always add more later. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to add than it is to take away, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think we were planning that kind of all along and say, let's leave it open and see how it goes. We can add more structure if we need to. Um, and what, what we're actually doing is we're adding another floor to the mix as the first next step, but there's always opportunity to add add more offices on the floor that we're on. And which floor are you expanding uh, The floor above, so we're gonna drop a staircase. It, it, the reason being that we've seen a demand for a lot more private offices. So I think between the open space and then having a space that's still open and cool and modern, but it's got more, just more lockable spaces, rooms that you can, you can lease out is, there's just a demand for that that people want both. They want they want to be part of the cool open community and they want their own space, right? There's kind of that want the the best of both, I guess. The lockability. Is yeah, important. I think the privacy. I think a lot of those things where um, there's there's plenty of people that are that want to work in the open space, but then there's I'd say the the general norm 
especially like maybe a, an older demographic is they just don't even have a category for working in a totally open space without having a door and even talking on the phone in front of people or those things or everyone doesn't you know see that the same way or see that right. as, as fun to do you know being also the landlord of the whole uh, building how have you seen it in terms of I guess um, leasing out space I mean, I'm sure that price per square foot it probably is better than maybe a traditional lease right yeah I mean on paper <laughs> but it's also like it's not you don't get a seven-year deal that you can just lock lock in so there's a lot there's a lot more work our costs are a lot you know there's operating costs uh, there's a lot more fluctuation um, even seasonally, you know, in the summer, uh, sales are going to go down a little bit because people are month-to-month -month memberships are going to cancel because maybe they're out of town for a lot of the summer. Um, so you see, yeah, so I think it's just, it takes a lot more work. So it's, I don't know that it's better. I think it's good. I think having a mix of both is great. So on that, you know, comment of a seven-year term, yep. um, and I'm not sure if you're up to speed on, on WeWork in Phoenix, but... You know, in the near term, they're going to take down about 300,000 square feet. Yeah. Um, Tempe, Camelback Corridor, and then possibly three buildings in downtown. Yeah. And a big focus of theirs is these enterprise, you know, bigger tenants that they're chasing after. So how are you guys envisioning WeWork as a competitor, and how are you guys hedging against them coming to the marketplace? Yeah, I think uh, overall, I think it's a great thing for Phoenix, you know, especially downtown to have that big of a player. Um, and to your point, I think they're, you know, they're making their money on the enterprise clients. So we're not going to land a deal with, you know, Starbucks HR team or something like that, right? So I think there's, not to say they're not going to, they're not going to be a competitor, but I think that they're in a different category than us in a lot of the, the conversations they're having with tenants and the type of tenants. Um, in terms of the you know the small business, the entrepreneurs, the small tech team, um, I think it's actually great to have options downtown because we've seen even as there's been places like Galvanize have come online, Reg uh, Regis launched a Spaces, Spaces, you know one of their concepts um, downtown about a year ago. Like we actually get a lot more inbound leads as more spaces are coming online because people now are they're doing all the advertising right, but then people are googling co-working spaces in Phoenix. So we get a benefit from that and we're not not so huge that I think that we're that we're gonna be hurt necessarily by them coming. I think it's just gonna bring so much more market awareness to co-working that I think I think we can win. I think I think the people that are gonna have a really hard time are the mid the mid players, the guys that are pretty big but not as big as them. I think, you know, to be small like us, a little more of a, a niche product, I think we can do well. I think we can provide a better community experience. Um, just a different different type of environment than we work, but they're obviously they have a great great concept and it's going to be cool, you know. If you were to do it again, because you mentioned yep. some of the obstacles up front, <clears throat> what would be uh, what would be things you would must you must include? So if I'm a landlord and I want to do this yep. in my own space, what are things that you have to include to kind of that you've seen? Work? Yeah, yeah, I think that I mean it's funny because everyone's like, oh, I got to you know do this co-working space. I've heard a hundred different people. And the, the, I'd say the two things that pop up at the top of the list are, when you have to have a cool space, I think just having an open room and throwing desks in it is not, doesn't work. You know, just because it's open, like, doesn't make, make it cool, right? Right. Like, yeah. okay, oh, it's, it's, got, you know, it's got a high ceiling. Like, okay, that's, that's fine. But, you know, 
like and then putting crappy furniture, a bunch of IKEA tables. I, I think it just you have to have like you know you have to have good architects, right, Chad? Like, right. I mean, there's just like designers that know what they're doing. You just you need to be thinking about space and layout and flow and all those things. Um, and then the other is like the community doesn't just happen. I think that's the other. It's like oh well, this really cool. Oh, this like I've never heard of this hotel lobby. They have this even downtown. There's places that are like oh, it's a co-working space, but like or the library, for instance you know, has a co-working space, but there's no one, like, managing it. There's no no one building community. So just because mm-hmm. it's, like, a space without any people, like, trying to cultivate, it just takes a lot more manpower than you would think to, to build community, to build relationships, to try to cultivate those type of things. And it doesn't happen overnight either. Right. So on the community, back to community, I guess yeah. I, should, I should say is, if you're providing amenities like you said, all you can drink LaCroix yep. or coffee, but then you have Cartel, Kettle Black, yep. the Pizzeria, Kaleidoscope, bringing that retail amenity. Beyond that, are you also programming events, speaking opportunities, panel discussions? How are you guys engaging the people inside of the department? Yeah, uh, we, we do some of that. I think um, there's places that do it probably better. I mean, Cahoots is one that does a really good job of of just doing events, of bringing in speakers, um, and there's other places that that'll that's just part of their business model is selling kind of event speaker type things. Um, we've tried to our approach has been a little more organic of saying let's let's do events that people can come and hang out and do a lunch that brings people together. Um, that's not as programmatic, I guess. Um, so I think a lot of doing more of those type of like we do hey breakfast on Wednesdays like we bring in bagels and donuts and fruit and. Um, eggs and it's like okay at least then there's a 20 minute touch point where people are hanging out eating breakfast together so I think it's a lot of I think doing a lot of those type of things has been where we tried to help facilitate that community Um, but there's always room to do I think doing more of the um, content stuff is great it's just there's so much content out there it's like do we want to be a content provider or do we want to be a kind of a community space provider I think that's we've kind of said hey this is what we're about I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard to gather people for content-related things, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and everybody's challenged with time and exactly, yeah. You know, uh, family and friends and your hobbies and things like that. So it's hard to carve out these specific speaking moments. Um, I think, it, but it goes back into the layout of the space. I think trying to have a space that helps facilitate relationships and conversations, so that it's not long hallways where you're not ever talking to anyone or it's right. even just like we have just kind of this open kitchen so that the idea is that you're creating a space so that when people are eating lunch they're they're interacting more organically so that I think you have to be intentional about how you lay out even the desks and the offices and those things. Has it been a challenge to find users? How do you find users? Um, you know yes and no I think early on the like I said the the flex we call it is like the access membership um, as Phoenix grows and more people live downtown, it's a lot easier because that that type of person that's an individual has flexibility to work wherever they want, maybe doesn't want to work from home, they're going to choose somewhere that's within five minutes of their house, right? Because they can. So I think that one's a lot more proximity based. Um, so so that's like so there's just different strategies of saying, hey, that for this type of user, it's got to be someone that's within a five mile radius. Now a team that wants to be centrally located, it's 10 minutes from the airport, or even a company that wants to start a remote team from San Francisco, hey, they can fly to the airport, they can get here in 10 minutes. 
I think those type of things are great. That's a different, that's just a totally different marketing strategy, mm -hmm. which one is maybe you can do Facebook ads toward the individuals. Others, a lot more relational. It's events. It's doing different things, you know. Um, and then there's still, I think there's, you know, there's different places. We haven't been as successful. I don't, you know, Mark probably has some thoughts on ways to engage the brokerage community because in one sense it's a benefit in other sense it's probably direct competition to, mm -hmm. to brokers right yeah i think that's the when i think that's the very you know at the core just a very interesting topic in itself right is the the climate is the landscape is changing yeah right and you know i love thinking about where are we going right and as I, as I asked that one question about, are you thinking out to 2025, right? Where will we be and what are we thinking about in six years, right? Are spaces still the same? Are we working the same in this more collaborative approach? Or are we back to like, I'll describe at times, like the nine to five Dolly Parton office in the 1970s. Like, do we start to then go back into these more like enclosed environments, right? So I think that's just a, it's one, that's a fascinating topic to, to talk about, but uh, it, the, in the current state, yeah, you can definitely look at co-working, especially WeWork, as they really get into the enterprise side of real estate. They are direct competitors. But bigger picture, as we think about downtown and you know many urban market around the United States or even globally, if they come downtown and take upwards of 200,000 square feet and absorb that much square footage in our CBD, one, it's the most absorbed square footage in the, thus far in the year, right? Yeah. And we could probably go back, you know, back to 2008 and see, well, what's the largest takedown in downtown? This is probably it. Wow. Okay, so then what does that add to the streetscape, the retail, the housing, the hoteling? all of that's impacted if they are successful, right? So ultimately, if they absorb 200,000 feet in downtown, could that lead to a Smith Group design building that then we're doing the lease up on 250,000 square feet of new office because our vacancy is now so low. Yep. So you have to look at it, I think, from a number of different angles yep. rather than, ooh, they're a competitor, we gotta steer clear because yep. now we're competing. I think there's a much more holistic, bigger picture to look at. And that's the same, that's the same approach I take is that yeah. I think the near term, yeah, it may be harder for us to get new tenants, new members, if they're coming in town, they're cool, they have cool space, but three years down the road, I think it's a really, really good thing for downtown Phoenix, yeah. Right, because think about if, if, if they take, you know, in, in phase one of block 23, they take 120,000 square feet. And that brings, let's say, an enterprise tenant, Fortune 500, 100 yeah. type user to downtown. That, that were not in our market. And now all of a sudden they're visiting Cartel yep. mm -hmm. and they're at Kaleidoscope yep. and they're getting a, a Guinness pint at Kettle Black in the afternoon. Like all of a sudden the landscape, the streetscape is changing for Phoenix, yep. right? And as, as the three of us know, the comment we get the most from people outside is where is everybody? Well, number one, it's if it's 110 yeah. people are inside. Yeah. So the more people we can have downtown, the better. Totally. And if they are successful, which you know they've proven successful in every other market, uh, they'll be adding, I think, big time to downtown. Yeah, I think that's right on. Well, and from a value perspective too, if, if occupancy is high, 
right? It's going to drive naturally drive rents up, which is great for our landlord. It's great for our broker. It's great for really everybody for the downtown market. It's great for design because now yep. all of a sudden you're designing not at a thirty-five dollar rental rate, but let's say a forty-two dollar rental rate. So right. now all of a sudden your material material selection core shell is at a different level because you now can afford it. Right. So I, and that's where I think having the flexibility. I mean, I love the group I'm with, but to to do the co-working, but also to have to own the building is helpful because if you're just leasing co-working space, leasing a floor, and then trying to make a, a margin on your rent, that's going to be a tough. It's just going to be tough. You know, those guys are going to have a really hard time. I think the, that are just pure co-working, you know, small kind of let's say mid-tier, you know, co-working companies. I think that's going to be a tough run with WeWork in town. So as we talk about that and. As we start to think about, you know, the future here, where do you see co-working this year, and where are you guys thinking it's going from here? Um, I, yeah, I don't know larger market trends, um, and it, it seems like you were saying earlier, Mark, that uh, my impression is the last year the the trend is actually to more private spaces and to open concepts. I don't know is that is that what you're seeing? Yeah, I think the the collaborative environment, I think, is here to stay. Yeah. I think there's too many positives on the human side mm-hmm. versus being enclosed uh, on a full-time basis. But as you're noticing by building out another floor of private offices, people still need that space to focus and have private conversations yep. and get work done. Um, you know, there are... You know, as many as you, these images you see of all the, you know, industrious and we work of people like doing work on couches, I still think that that need to have privacy and the ability to speak in a private way is still super important to the, the workforce. Yeah, it does seem like, I mean, co-working as a whole is like just going to grow because I think you're seeing even a lot of different buildings downtown. Phoenix is, you know, just what I'm familiar with, but that are starting to offer even more tenant amenity space that now is functioning a lot like co-working, right? Where you have this big lounge with couches and wi- you know, Wi-Fi and the ping pong and the, the beer on tap. So all of a sudden each building is trying to, I think, have their own version of some kind of like cool, you know, open space for their tenants. Yeah, to even keep up, right? From an to to even keep up. And I think, you know, if you start to look at the past, and think about where we're going. I like to look, think about examples like IBM's campus, the Microsoft campus in Redmond, uh, what HP did and Google and others did in Silicon Valley. And that was really treated as this is more than an office. Mm-hmm. This is where you're gonna have amenities and it was really designed to keep people working which is, uh, and be productive, yeah. which yeah. makes sense. But it's really been this current cycle we're in from 2000, let's say 10 to today, where the private sector has really gotten on board with having, you know, as you said, you know, kegs on tap, uh, shuffleboard, amenity spaces, you know, really providing opportunities for, you know, a multi-tenant environment uh, to engage in that kind of social aspect. And then, I mean, on the business model side, I think having now an option for folks to have short-term leases, especially small teams, that's where that's where the value is. I mean, we're in a different category, like I said, than we work, but to provide a team of three 
you have 16,000 feet of some of the coolest office space in Phoenix. You have all these amenities that they wouldn't be able to have on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and without having to, without having no credit check, not, no long-term lease, I think there's just a ton of value there that I think does, you know, that, that's where I think the disruption maybe comes in the market of just giving people flexibility into to having a lot of the, the options that maybe they never had before. Yeah, that is absolutely the disruptor, right? If you think about a traditional, you know, office REIT or office owner, you know, they're buying a building uh, on a pro forma that all has yep. longer term leases associated, yep. not month to month or one year deals uh, to drive value and credit. So, you know, absolutely, I think co-working is providing a a phenomenal service in that three-person team environment, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, then on the flip side, you know, we were chasing Facebooks and Googles and and other enterprise tenants to take down full floors or more, but to your point, on a shorter-term basis. Mm -hmm. So if Amazon wants to come enter downtown Phoenix, they don't have to sign a 10-year lease. They could sign a one-year lease for a full floor at Block 23. And they could start in two months instead of two years. Start in two two months and figure out, hey, is the talent here? Um, And do people like coming to downtown Phoenix versus our current facilities in Tempe? So, you know, I think there's a couple of different ways to look at it, but, and I think whether it's disruptive or not, there's positives and negatives like anything in life. I think Mm -hmm. there's, you know, a lot of positives there. Where I can see a trend kind of transforming is <clears throat> I've heard about these workspaces, these co spaces, where either a private user kind of creates its own little incubator within that co-working space so that they just happen to maybe be in the same space that some startup company is using kind of their model, right? Maybe their programming or their whatever, and then they might just kind of hire them up, right? Or I think you could have a higher ed institute like an ASU start to partner with these co-working spaces to say, look, we can drive talent. We need a space for them when they graduate. And maybe we can even find kind of those next startups that could grow into some, you know, WebPT or something, right? And we're already partners with them. Mm-hmm. But I could see trends in terms of like partnerships. Yeah, it's, it's fun to see, I think, the a lot of the local co-working spaces in town you start to see this network growing of of people now that you know I mean we have a really good relationship with Cahoots and there's a place called Max 6 and Tempe um, and other places in town and now you see this community of just not just the people within the co-working space but of these co-working communities so there starts to be just I think value there just from a community standpoint being able to get plugged into one space now you have access to Different, and that's where you know, I think ASU different places are wanting to plug into those communities because then they can they can find talent, they can find the next, you know, business to help incubate or whatever that looks like. So that's an interesting. That's kind of the futuristic then approach, right? Of, you know, we've talked on about design, we've talked about community, we've talked about commitments. Um, do you think? based on the discussion today, if you, again, look out into the future, are we looking at this more shorter-term, non-committal environment in the office world? What, so what do, you, what do you mean on the... 
from well, a landlord. Well, as we talked side. about, yeah, on the landlord side, because yeah. one, you know, marketplace one yeah. is a landlord. Yeah, yeah. And you're out in the market yep. with, hey, sign up for a full floor yep. and we want an 11 year yep. lease. Yep. Yeah. Right? How is that impacting the future? Yeah. Of even the value of the One North First building. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to, it's a different approach maybe of having investors that are looking maybe for cash flow um, over a longer cycle versus if someone's just saying, hey, we want to buy this building uh, based on this cap rate and then lease it up and sell it in a couple of years. It's just a different model. So I think, I don't, yeah, I think I don't, just speaking from our perspective, I think it's, if, if you're looking for cash flow, I think that doing shorter term leases is a great way to do that. You just have to be willing to take the risk maybe of, of not having this. I mean, so I think it, that's where it's like, maybe, I don't know if it's the future, but I think it's just maybe more entrepreneurial where you're willing to take some more risk to hustle a little bit more and say, hey, there's 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 money to be made here if you if you kind of go after this different avenue, you know? Yeah, so on the avenue side then, as you think about, you know, Red Development, who's yeah. doing the Block 23 project. So the first tenant that committed, Ernst & Young, yep. it's phenomenal credit, great. great tenant, long-term tenant. And their second tenant, which is WeWork, yep. taking 100 plus thousand square feet. Okay, well, the credit is a little bit suspect. What are you getting when you sign that lease with WeWork? Yeah. So if you're Red Development, <laughs> if they go bankrupt in three years, then like what happens, right? What happens? Yeah. So versus your cash flow idea based yeah. on the partnership yeah. versus hey, we're we're gonna fill the building once we're finished. We're gonna sell at this cap rate. Well, what are you getting on the exit with the WeWork? Credit? Yeah, and that's to your point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, on the landlord side, like would would our group do that deal? You know, probably not. <laughs> Because it's like, I think there's a, a ton of risk, mm-hmm. especially in a, I don't know, market like Phoenix that WeWork's not proven in yet. Again, I think they can be successful, but would you give a $120 TI without credit for a little bit? You know, you're getting higher rents, sure, but for how long, right? Right. Well, and that's their ass. Yeah. Right. Yep. They yep. come into the market, at least this is our experience, asking for 150 plus in TIs yep. and they'll pay whatever rental rate yep. is proposed. So that's where it's tough because you, you've given up, you've taken the risk, but you've also given up the flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. Like where that's where we have the flexibility to, to pivot if we need to. I mean, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of room to, to do different things and to, to make certain kinds of deals with tenants that other, other folks maybe not be able to if they're in a REIT and there's a rigid structure. Um, but you sign a long-term deal like that, you've given up the flexibility and you've I don't know. It's you know, it's a tough one to underwrite, I think. But I don't know. What do you think on that? It's a tough one to underwrite. Yeah. Um, they're not a publicly traded tenant. Um, so ultimately, when you get a signed lease, what are you getting? I think yeah. that's the question yeah, that yeah. a lot of owners have in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not proven here yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously proven in other markets, bigger markets. So I think you know, for us. Uh, time will tell what will happen over the next 24 to 36 months with WeWork entering the market. And I, and I think, you know, like I was saying, our hope is that long-term Phoenix becomes a co-working destination, you know, especially in the Valley. If it's downtown, it's like, hey, that's where all the cool spaces are. That's where department is, and that's where Galvanize is, and that's where WeWork is. Um, Cahoots, you know, I think that that's the, the hope is that that becomes this, this hub. So you, 
go downtown. That's what just what you expect is to, to find a co-working space. And even if people are jumping around between them, I think everybody can win that way. Well, just speaking from a co-working, you know, from a co-working yeah. operator standpoint. I think that's kind of a perfect um, break point with a, a great ending statement. I think, uh, one, we want to thank you so much, Kyle, for joining us yep. today. Um, Mark, any parting thoughts? I think we're in a very dynamic time in Phoenix and you know thank you and marketplace one for making an impact which I think that's part of your uh, company slogan I believe is yeah it? investing investing for impact yeah <laughs> there we go Kyle yeah. thanks for uh, joining us today appreciate yeah. it yeah thank you Kyle bye Stay tuned for our next Built Arizona podcast where we try to understand the value of lead and why it seems to be less and less a driver for tenants.